Before we start today's episode of Zillennial Canon, we just wanted to let you know that there's a link in our description to some friends of the pod, including Adam's second podcast, Aggressively Okay, that he hosts with Joe, Back to Back, SeltzerCast, and a few others that we know you'll enjoy. Thanks for supporting us, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome back to Pizza Time. This is Millennial Cannon. I'm Kira. Whoa! He stole that guy's pizza! My name's Adam. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> Thank you. It's only been, like, in my mind for the last 17 years of my life. Uh, over the 80 billion times I've seen this movie. So, thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah, so, we're continuing Spider Month right now with Spider-Man 2. Um yeah. And just to clarify, because this is the third Spider-Man 2, uh, it is Spider-Man 2 2004, directed by Sam Raimi, uh, not to be confused with the other two Spider-Man 2s. Exactly, and that's why we're doing Spider-Month. Exactly. Um, And we have a very special guest, uh, Daily Bugle intern himself. I want those pictures of (laughs) Spider-Man! What's up, guys? It's Ernest. I'm back, and if we don't get these pizzas within a 29-minute guarantee, you're fired. <laughs> Your ass is fired now. You um, got those pictures of Spider-Man because throughout the call, you've been changing your background <laughs> to different screenshots of Spider-Man 2, and all of them have the TNT logo in the background. I mean, which, in the bottom right corner, which is very Zillennial canon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I... Yeah, that's what I told Ernie before it started. Like, I think TNT, TBS, and FX, like, movie watching is, like, even more synonymous than just watching them on a DVD. Like, yeah, I can't cropped, try- cropped for 16.9. Exactly. And then you you get it on DVD and you're like, wait, what the fuck? Like, I didn't realize. <laughs> There's more to the image. <laughs> yeah, um, I just love, like, getting a DVD and it's, like, widescreen or full screen version. It's like, I don't know, I'm a child. I don't want to see black bars. Like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah, but I was always the I, I was the widescreen kid, and then I got booed in class if I uh, chose widescreen. All of the kids just like threw shit at you. It's like I'm that meme kidding. where like like the gif of like the people like throwing the backpacks at the kid, and it's like, what opinion causes people to I, react like this? It's Adam putting widescreen on the DVD in I, class. I distinctly remember in after school, like in like fourth or third grade or something. I put on National Treasure for like the remaining kids in class and it came to widescreen or full screen mode and I chose widescreen and I'm not <laughs> kidding. They booed me and one kid <laughs> said, what the hell? And I <laughs> and I was like banned from ever doing it again. I mean, the, National Treasure is, is a true cinematic film. I know. And you gotta have it in full aspect ratio. That's what I was saying and they, they just weren't having it. Like, I, I wanted to show the the crisp widescreen nature, the full shots of, you know, Everest at the beginning or whatever. Like I wanted to show it, uh, and it's intended John turtle uh, manner. But, uh, but speaking of movies that switch aspect ratio, <laughs> uh, cause this one is, 
uh, a different aspect ratio than the first movie, Spider-Man 2. Um, is it really? Is the first one 16-9? It's what, uh, let's just say the first one's full screen, this one's widescreen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and Spider-Man 3 is also, uh, I sound like such an idiot. It's also <laughs> widescreen. <laughs> Are you the only person who would notice this? Maybe so. I mean, the first movie's like big, like no, no crop, and then yeah, it's a noticeable difference. I'm not crazy. I don't know. <laughs> cool, very cool. Very so, cool. Ernie, do you have any um, memories with this movie? Well, I just want to say thank you for having me on for this episode because. This is probably like top five all time favorite movies for me right here. Yeah. I, I you only come on for true bangers. So honestly. Yeah, you know, I, I, I gotta I gotta try to keep a certain uh <laughs> certain canon of my own, if you yeah. will. <laughs> um but you know, I mean it's it's interesting because it's like I don't think that people usually put Spider Man two up in the echelon of like the the true you know like the the raiders of the lost arcs and it's star wars and these like massive pantheon movies i don't know if spider-man 2 usually gets spoken in that same conversation but to me personally like it is an all-time great movie not just an all-time like personal favorite but like i think this is truly like a perfect movie but i think that that has come like more as an adult to it you know now that I have seen more movies, because when I was a kid, I was just like, I just loved Spider-Man. Like there yeah. was no, <laughs> no like cinematic viewpoint there. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is 04. So I was 10 years old when this came out um, and I had the poster in my room. I still have it in storage. I had to take it down because it, it was getting to the point where I was like still had the same poster on my wall. As an adult from when I was a teen. <laughs> so it's like, you got to change it up. But I still have it. Um, the one where, like, it's just Spider-Man doing his his web uh, shooting pose in the air. And you can see Doc Ock, like, in the reflection Ooh. of his Iconic. eye. So yeah. Iconic. Yeah. I had that up in my, in my wall. Next to a Dark Knight poster as well. Um, and those were, like, that was just, like, my identity for, like, my teenage years. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I also remember having like the action figures. Um, so I had I had the Spider-Man action figure that was like fully opposable that you could just like do whatever you want with it. I had the Goblin action figure too uh, that you could put on the glider. Yep. But mm-hmm. my Doc Ock action figure was like really nice with like yeah. a nice like felt coat, and it was like one of those bigger Dude. dolls that like the <laughs> foot tall awk with the fully opposable arm. we had the same action figure i had this like the the one that's like bigger than the other yeah it's like a foot tall yeah and you can take off the coat but then Mm -hmm. his arms are still painted green so it's like he's he's without the coat but he still has the green arms (laughs) i remember this because i don't have mine no i don't yeah but i think think got donated at some point maybe if i looked hard enough i could find it like in my attic or something but um i I just remember, like, I lost the coat, so anytime I, like, pulled, like, him out of the toy, like, chest or whatever, his arms were just, like, painted green, but he had no coat. Uh, and, of course, gotta shout out the PS2 game. Uh, All-time 
game. classic game. Like one of those games that you can still pick up today. And even though the graphics don't hold up, obviously, it just like there's this essence to it that will just like live forever. Yeah, I mean, even because uh, I was watching like the behind the scenes featurette of uh, the making of the Spider-Man PS4 game. And even the, the the developers of that game were like praising Spider-Man 2 on PS2 because they were like, honestly, what they did at the time was incredible. And they were like, how can we like advance that? Uh, and they were like, honestly, it's still a hard feat to even top that because it was so ahead of its time as far as gaming goes. Um, yeah, that I mean, I, I, honestly, I feel like the merch and the games and the action figures and all, everything is just as like synonymous with my memories. As They uh, killed it. They they did a great job. I, I, I remember uh, every time because I was like as a kid, like my uh, if I got a report card, my uh, and like I got like a good uh, grades on my report card. My mom would like let me go to like a 7-Eleven and like buy a Dr. Pepper and like whatever snack I wanted. And any time in that year that I'd go in there, you would go get a Dr. Pepper, but fucking Spider-Man is on the on the bottle. I remember <laughs> that. Oh, my God. I remember the Spider-Man Dr. Pepper. Um, it, literally any time I have a Dr. Pepper at this at the age of 24 right now uh i think about the beginning of this movie in the pizzeria where the guy <laughs> is like chomping down behind toby on that pizza and he's like <laughs> drinking a dr pepper like viciously and i think about that every time i drink a dr pepper every single time subliminal messaging works <laughs> kira as a as a new yorker have you been to joe's pizza before listen there are like 57 Joe's pizzas in all of New York. <laughs> <laughs> but there is one, there is the one that, isn't this one the one that's like next to the IFC theater um, in Greenwich? Yeah, it's on, it's on Bleecker Street, so kinda, but the Joe's pizza that I like that I've tried is on 14th Street. Or near Union Square. I don't know if it's on 14th, but it's near Union Square. And fun fact, so, uh, Raimi picked that Joe's Pizzeria because Doctor Strange lives on Bleecker Street, which is one of his favorite, uh, other favorite heroes. So I thought that was a fun little thing. Yeah. I noticed it on this rewatch. I was like, oh, cool. Mr. <laughs> Aziz is just trying to run a, a business, man. Like, he did um, nothing wrong. I, I, I'll get into it. I want to, Kira, do you have any memories of this movie before I go off for like eight hours um well similar to like my memories with the first one it's just kind of like I had older brothers I I mean I have an older brother I have a younger brother both love Spider-Man um you know we watch it all the time have it on DVD I was terrified of this movie because it is genuinely like a horror movie as well as like a character drama but um yeah which I'll get into the horror elements later but I liked Spider-Man a lot um as a kid sorry I'm really distracted because I just looked up a picture of this Joe's Pizza I think I have been to it (laughs) (laughs) it looks definitely familiar um yeah yeah, you know, love Spider-Man. It's the only really Marvel thing that really grabs hold onto me. And the New York of it all, it just, like, is amplified in this one. I think I prefer this one to the first one, honestly. It's yeah. realized so well. Uh, this is a great New York movie. It's it's almost a movie about, like, how hard it is to live in New York City. 
how mm-hmm. punishing it is. Yeah, the class elements of it are really like ramped up in this one, definitely. Yeah, um, I I don't even know where to begin with my memory. Like, I, I, I this is the first movie I think that I saw in theaters more than one time as a kid. Like, because I remember distinctly my mom taking me to see it on opening day. And, uh, well, like, the first few showtimes we went to were, like, sold out. So we had to, like, kind of, like, I remember we went to go see Garfield before this. And then Garfield was also, like, we we bought a ticket for Garfield, but we got in the theater and then there was, like, no seats except in the first row. So she's like, okay, is there anything else you want to see before Spider-Man? And I'm and I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> so we went to go see that um really shitty Around the World in 80 Days remake with Jackie oh my Chan. God. And uh, Steve Coogan, I think, is also in it. Um, I don't remember that movie at all. I just remember, like, the entire time I was, like, waiting for Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> to I show up in Around the World in 80 Days? Well, like, and, oh, and I remember we walked in, like, 30 minutes after it started. So I did not see the whole movie. Uh, it was really just a wait to see Spider-Man until we got to that show time that was actually not sold just out. Just a kill time. Yeah. And uh, so by the time we got in the theater for Spider-Man 2, my mom is over it. She is just like, let's get started. And uh, and we had to sit like in the fourth or fifth row. So we were kind of looking up, but it's not too bad, you know. But as a kid, I'm like, this is epic. Like, I, like I'm right here. <laughs> it's Spider-Man. It's about to start. And keep in mind, like I, I was Spider-Man obsessed. As I, well, said yeah, it's a sequel. You know, it had it had already been a thing with the first one. This is just compounding on that. I, I was at the age where not only did I, the first movie is like basically at that point in my life, my favorite movie of all time, and I had seen it over like 20, 30 times, uh, just on repeat. And I had all, I had the action figures, I had the Doc Ock action figure, um, I had. Uh, like I, I had a combo collection that my uncle gifted to me uh, for Christmas the year prior. Um, I, I, I had like my backpack with Spider-Man for school, like I everything Spider-Man. So when I say I was in that theater ready to fucking go, I was I, I was ready. And it didn't not only did it not disappoint me, it like had a profound impact on me. Like I think about this movie a lot in my daily life. Like, I think about this movie so often, and I think it is... Well, I think Spider-Verse is probably my favorite Spider-Man movie. There's something... Like, this movie understands the character of Peter Parker unlike really any other piece of media, whether that's, like, animated series, live-action film, what have you. It just presents how Peter Parker and his daily life it's just synonymous with his, like, you know, his life as Spider-Man and just like the, the struggle and the tragedy and the beauty and everything. Yeah, it's so melodramatic. It, it's the most perfect blend so of drama and action and horror and tragedy and everything under the sun uh, in one movie. And uh, I mean, Kira mentioned she thinks it's better than the first movie. And we, we went off about the first movie last week and how amazing it is. And throughout the episode, I just kept saying, it's just crazy that he did it even better the second time because this is so good. And here we are talking about the one. Well, it's like it's like a 9.5 versus a 10. Yeah. Exactly. I'd say yeah. About, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this one's just like, 
I don't know. Like he just he 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 just fucking did it. Like I don't know how he did it. <laughs> it's just a masterpiece. I genuinely mean that. Like I have no because like I mean the first movie you could like you could like poke holes in it and be like, yeah, that's kind of corny. There's nothing about this movie that like doesn't legitimately fundamentally work on like Agree. every single even level. the corniness is like done with this intention yeah. that fits. Like every aspect of this movie, like fully clicks with each other. The all the subplots, like there's Harry, MJ, Auk, uh, Aunt the May, landlord. who is the yeah the landlord, <laughs> goaded character. It all, all like nothing feels out of place, and yeah. everything like every plot thread like overlaps with a different one seamlessly. And it all reinforces the idea of like Peter Parker not being able to balance anything in his life. Yeah. And like being completely overwhelmed and having everything fall apart. Well, <laughs> There's like enough. one scene in particular, the the scene in the planetarium, where in like in the span of like one minute, there's like multiple beats of like he gets wrecked by JJ. Um <laughs> Because of his photography uh, not being up to snuff. He gets wrecked by Harry because he's grieving his dad dying. Mm -hmm. He gets wrecked by <laughs> MJ being proposed to right yeah. in front of him. It's like boom, 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 boom. Like and then this he has guy to can't document it. Break. He has to take a picture of it. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, that, yes. um, and on top of that, Parker. he doesn't get the, the last piece of food off the tray. Like Oh, perfect button. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Well, I mean, I was going to mention, like, I love that this begins with it, it is a, it, it's an action scene, but it's not an action scene with Spider-Man. It's an action scene with Peter Parker just trying to get to work on time. This job that he doesn't even like, he, he can barely make it to in time, but he just has to have this really uh, inconspicuous job that he can like it's the middle of the city between his work and uh, it's far from his apartment. But he has to be there because it's the middle of the city where he can fight crime. And I love that it's just about him getting there on time and delivering these pizzas. It's not even about the heroism of it all. It's just about, can I not lose this low paying job? It and also like, it like shows that Spider-Man, like being Spider-Man doesn't cure everything. Like sometimes it literally like fucks things up. Like it's not like, oh, I have powers. I could get somewhere faster and do something faster. No, it's like, yeah, he, like, got the pizzas back and everything, but it, he, it didn't, like, save his job. Well, that's what's, like, so... I mean, that's what's amazing about the character and also, like, Raimi's portrayal of him is that it doesn't shy away from, like... Because um, I feel like a lot of superhero movies, they go for the glossy, like, how uh, how amazing it is to have these powers, how, how cool it is. But, like, Raimi really taps into, like, what's true to the comics, or at least the really good comics, the tragedy of Spider-Man, like, why it's often more often a burden than a power it's a responsibility it's it's something that he's obligated to do not because he wants to but because he's the only with these powers and if he doesn't do it no one else will well it's more human too like we connect more with a character like this than a character like batman who's a billionaire or superman right. who's an alien god like there's just this like much much more grounded approachable thing to spider-man that makes him to me kind of like the best superhero like 
Yeah. It's just to it's just the, the the ideal version of this. And it sucks that like we live in like an overly super Spider-Man saturated world now in 2021 that like it kind of has lost a little bit of that luster a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like it's not as cool to say that Spider-Man's the best superhero anymore because it's like now we're just getting a Spider-Man movie every fucking year until we die. <laughs> yeah. But when you watch this movie and you think back to 04, it's like like I listened to to you guys talking about the first movie uh, last week and you were talking about how um, back when this came out, like you were still kind of feeling the the lust, the the you were still feeling like the Batman and Robins of it all. Right. You know, and like still kind of reeling from like that, that kind of bad taste in your mouth, which granted, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation about like the camp classic that is. Uh, Batman and Robin, the the lay underrated gem. It, it's a lot of. It, I honestly, I haven't seen it in like, God, I want to say almost twenty years at this point. Yeah, it's I not like good, it. but I, feel like I would love it. It's have you never seen now? it? I think I saw it like on TV when I was like a kid, and I was like, "What is this?" It's like terrible, but it's also I have very fond memories with it, and I'm pretty sure if I put it on. I would somehow still know all the lines as they were happening. Uh, <laughs> like, I will never forget the feeling when uh, uh, Mr. Freeze is in the museum and he like freezes and he, uh, the like the boss was like, "What happened to the dinosaurs? The Ice Age!" And that's just <laughs> so stupid. Um, yeah, George Clooney has a Batman credit card in that movie, and it's um, yeah, it's a he, lot. He has, I, he has bad dog. I'm yeah. obsessed with that. Um, but the, the thing, the point I was going to, uh, going to get out with that is that I, uh, I watched this, um, I rewatched this today with like audio commentary on my, on a dirty old dusty DVD. Um, and there's like a bunch of uh, special features on there too, that I was, uh, just jumping around and they, they snuck in this little interview, uh, with Stan Lee. And he was talking about when he, when he created the comic with Ditko, like people weren't really on board with this idea of this kid who can't balance like being a student and like working class and like trying to have a girlfriend and be a superhero. Like the publishers at Marvel, they were like, we need like Batman, Superman, like that kind, that kind of thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. people just want to see the hero beat the bad guy. That's it. And he kind of had to do a little bit of work to convince people that like this was worth it. Um, well, that's why they introduced um, the first issue of Spider-Man was with the Fantastic Four. Like, that's why they kind of use that like as a launching platform. They're like, right. hey, see, he's cool. He's with the Fantastic Four. Like, they didn't even <laughs> think he could lead his own first issue. But it works so well. I mean, it's like it's so much better for it to be that level of like this guy's problems are kind of everybody's problems. You know, yeah. plus the burden of having to be this hero on top of everything else. Well, it just it just feels like much more approachable. Well, that's why I think these Raimi movies and especially I mean, most specifically this one in particular, I think um, they understand the character so well. Like, I mean, people complain a lot about like he's not quippy enough. He's not web shooters. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, it understands the fundamentals of Spider-Man. It understands. He's, he's kind of cute. He, he's I. There's a lot of scenes in this movie that are, like, genuinely... Like, it nails the quippiness, but it doesn't go, like, overboard with it. Like, my, I think my favorite is probably, like, when he's, like, riding the elevator down 
uh, after he he loses his powers for the first time. <laughs> he's just having that conversation with, with that guy, and he's like, oh, yeah. uh, it's, it's it rides a up Spider Man outfit. Yeah, you know, I made it myself. Like, <laughs> <laughs> really rides up in the crotch. Um, One yeah, thing that I feel like why I think that Toby is the best Spider-Man, which I'm definitely the first to say this. This is definitely a hot take um, (laughs) that he's the best one. But um, I believe that he is smart and I do not believe that Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield are smart. Fair. Yeah, of course. That Um, tracks. I think that they're himbos and I think that (laughs) Toby Maguire is definitely smart. Well, uh, Andrew Garfield is a skater hipster guy. Well, I like He's very cool. Yeah. I think Amazing Spider-Man too. The the second one really convinced me because like that whole movie. The thing I love about that movie, and I'll get it out of the way here since we're not doing an episode on it. Um, that entire movie, like he beats Electro with science, and I think that movie leans into science really well. But if you go off the first movie where it's just him taking pictures of people, and it's just like he is like the of the hipster skater guy. Uh, and that was like heavily criticized in 2012. I actually really like Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, but um, but I think the second one, like he, I fully believed him as like the science guy. And I think Tom, I, I believe, I don't know, I believe them all. I don't believe things. that he's smart. Well, he just kind of looks like some like Gen Z like freak that like is on some like sports team. Tom Holland. Yeah. He's like five six. He's not he looks like he would play lacrosse at my high school. You can play lacrosse when you're short. It's, it, it's arguably better. <laughs> All right, I, I don't know. I, I like him. I think he's. I think he's a good Spider-Man, and I. I think they're all good. I, I, I just think that these movies are the best movies. So obviously, yeah. it's easy to point at Toby and say that he's the best because these are the best movies. Like, but I, I do That's, think that yeah. like. Andrew does bring something to the table that that the other two don't in terms of like you can feel that he is just like this Spider-Man fan and he's like Mm -hmm. channeling that in his performance. Like there's this, there's this moment uh, when he's like rescuing a kid from a car that's like falling down. And it's like, that's just a perfect Spider-Man moment. There's like other moments like that, that, you know, kind of carry over. And it's like, he just gets it. He, even though the movie sucks, he gets it. Well, like, um, even in the second one, like, that scene where he's, like, rescued. Like, I love those, like, little moments in Amazing Spider-Man where, it, like, it shows, like, the New York of it all. And he's, like, rescuing that kid from being bullied in, like, an alleyway. And he, like, fixes his, like, wind turbine with his webs. Yeah, and he, like, exactly. He, like, talks to him about, about, like, the science of it all for, like, a minute. And I'm, like, that's, like, that's Spider-Man. Like, he, they fucking get it. Yeah. Like, it's And then just, Tom Holland's just, like, the kind of guy your mom would leave your dad for. Yeah, <laughs> like your parents will get divorced because your mom like couldn't she couldn't help herself because Tom is just a that's just the kind of guy he is. He's a homewrecker. <laughs> I get like the opposite vibe from him. I don't know if you're being ironic, but I I I think I would I would. I'm be just able basing to that, that off of the press tour. All right, yeah, <laughs> I think I'd be able to take him in a fight as Spider Man. <laughs> I, the thing I love about Tom Holland just as a person is that he's just a little dude. He's just happy to be there. He's literally just some guy. He's a, he he's like a little job because he could do a backflip. I know. <laughs> like what a guy. I love it. Um, no, one I, thing I, that I one thing that I do like about him is when he just like spoils shit by accident. You know. Spoils. Yeah, yeah like, like in like interviews and stuff. Oh, spoil! I, I for some reason I 
I, t- my head went to like rotten food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he walks in a room. Like His that. entire fridge is just full of rotten food. Um, well, I find it interesting that, uh, isn't it weird? Like, I think I would say Andrew Garfield is the best actor, like, just yeah. in general of the three. Like, he, he he's the best performer. Uh, like, Silent, Social Network, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom is very good. Um, just a lot of really good uh, performances. But he's not the best performer as Spider-Man. And I... And, and then granted, like he was in, he happened to come in at the wrong place at the wrong time, like with the yeah. Sony of it all. The worst. Oh man. Yeah, like when Sony like literally was like focus grouping every single week to see what was trending and inserted into their movies in post production. Um, I feel so bad for him. Uh, we'll talk about that more next week. I I don't want to drag I, Tom too much because I I think that the youthful energy that he brings is like his secret sauce because Toby and Andrew like. They're both like basically 30, you know, Literally. and Tom, <laughs> Tom, like you buy him, especially in homecoming, like you buy him as like just a legit high schooler. And I think it, like for that approach, for the MCU's approach to Spider-Man being like this kid yeah. that's thrown into this thing, like it works really, really well. Yeah, I'm excited to see Tom do his uh, his college trilogy because I think he's going to really thrive when they take him out of high school and, like, they're going to, like, start making, like, more kind of serious movies maybe with him because, uh, again, these are trying to be, like, more fun, lighthearted John Hughes movies. And I love them. I thought both of them were great. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready for him to, like, go into, like, get, like, give him the rainy material. Like, give him some, like, meaty... Peter Parker, Parker, like moral dilemmas to like deal with. Yeah, because Tom's I mean, an actor; he can do it. He can totally do it. Yes, he is. I mean, yeah. The biggest comparison we always bring up uh, is uh, Michael J. Fox. Like he's just it, yeah. there's he's just got that 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 spark. But with this movie, with Spider Man Two, I I think that like just going back to the melodrama point. Yeah, I think that that's what like makes this sore. Like this is like. This is a banger because equally because of the action and the melodrama. And, you know, the the other Spider-Man movies they did, like they they introduced some level of like heightened drama. Like obviously the um the Michael Keaton in uh Homecoming is just like, oh my god, that just works so well. And that that, you know, something like that like reaches closer to the level of this, but in this movie like just every piece the 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 building blocks of like Spider-Man and Peter Parker like not being able to um to 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 click with each other, to decide on, on, (laughs) on an even playing field of like what's happening. Cause like, you know, I don't want, okay. Homecoming spoilers ahead. If you haven't (laughs) seen homecoming, what are you doing? (laughs) Listening to this podcast. But, uh, the idea of like Michael Keaton being the bad guy and like the father of his date to, to the homecoming dance is like that's just peak. Yeah, I still remember how I felt in the theater when that happened, and I crazy good. It was a great twist, and I felt it to my core not because just because thematically it was a good twist, but because like as a Spider-Man fan, I was like, it oh. works so well. Like as a Spider-Man thing, it was like, oh, 
Yeah. Like, and that's, that's and that's what yeah. these movies do. Like in the yeah. first movie, Harry, uh, Harry's dad, Norman being the green goblin yeah. and all of the, the scenes where you, that overlaps. And then in this movie, Doc Ock being this like mentor figure for him in college, yeah. like doing this research paper and like, it's just this like tragic overlap of his life, like not being able to click, not being able to like land in a good place because everything just has to go wrong for this guy. Yeah, even in like the non superhero level, it's like, of course, MJ is marrying his boss's son. Exactly. And he literally yeah. just has to die every second of every day. And, and then he has to go to work where he doesn't want to be and see them. <laughs> Yeah, and even when he does the work, he can't get paid because he took it in advance out. And yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, no, like, I mean, honestly, I think, like I mentioned it earlier, like, I think the, the burden, the tragedy of Spider-Man is, like, something that, you, it's, like, a necessity. Like, you can't just present a fun, lighthearted Spider-Man always. Like, you need to have the burden of it all because, like, that's what makes him work in general, to make him sympathetic, to make him humanistic, uh, and I think this movie, like, it really perfectly, um, like, that scene where he, like, quits being Spider-Man, you know, the entire movie, like, because, like, that trope is played a lot in movies where, you know, Tony Stark gives up being Iron Man, uh, like, uh, like, a lot of superhero, like, Batman has hung up the cape a few times, but you don't feel it as hard as you do in this movie, or um, in other movies as you do in this movie, because... And, like, it just rides that line so perfectly, a build-up to that moment where it's, like, really, why is he Spider-Man? Like, why, like, if put yourself in his shoes. Like, if being Spider-Man is present up, like, preventing you from going to class on time, getting an education, spending time with your friends and family, having a meaningful relationship with a woman of your dreams who literally is begging you to date her, and you can't because you have to go get your ass kicked every night. Yeah. And then how the first movie ends when she like kisses him at the funeral and he just God. walks away. It like I it, <laughs> even like after his fucking birthday party in this movie and she's just like she wants to give him like one more chance. Like she's saying like hey, here I am. Like here like let's look like let's do it and he has to be like I can't. Like it, like it's just so heartbreaking every time he has to tell her I can't do it. Like and he, you see how badly he wants to. He wants more than anything just to give himself this, like, one good thing. But he knows the responsibility. He knows the the consequence of what could that lead to. And I don't know. The movie just, like, when he finally throws his suit in the garbage, it's like you you feel at that moment because you're – the first hour of the movie so empathetically tells you, yeah, would you want to be Spider-Man? Like, would you want to get your ass kicked every night for nothing in return? For the city, well, half the city loves him, half the city hates him. Like, there's really nothing in return that he's getting here. And yeah, it's 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 a sacrifice that he questions whether or not it's even worth it. And and the the stretch of the movie where he's not Spider Man is a great stretch of the movie because it's like for the for a movie called Spider Man to do that. <laughs> <laughs> to be like, yeah, this guy's not going to be Spider-Man for the like the entire second act of the movie. It's like, that's crazy. But you, it's it's perfectly set up and executed. The writing in this whole movie is exceptional. The acting is like so emotional and, and theatrical. Like, oh, they're just, these actors are just like, they're embellishing without like hamming it up in the best ways. Yeah. 
uh, and and you just get that sense of like it's a it's a crazy ride you know you're you're just on this crazy ride and every moment feels so well earned and like like i just said earlier like everything just clicks perfectly in terms of the the subplots and the writing and everything um can we talk about Alfred Molina. I was just because you were, yeah. you brought up performances and it's like so, you can't bring up the great legend. Yeah. yeah. A note but. that I have is we need more Alfred Molina in a tank top energy in Marvel <laughs> now. And then underneath that, from later on in the movie, I said shirtless in a jacket, looking kind of. <laughs> I. <laughs> but also, yeah. Here's um, going full thirsty mode on Maine. On Maine. <laughs> Um, that's just a Tuesday night for her. Um, no, I, I mean, think... Molina's a snack, dude. Like, dude, have you, you seen the... him on the press tour for No Way Home? Like, goddamn. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, you know that, um, it's like the, I think it's a picture of Nicki Minaj under that. So, so there's the senior citizen. Like, oh, yeah. I was literally, that, I have that in my camera roll, always ready to go, regardless it's... of the situation that I'm in. Like, it's that picture of Alfred and, uh, and, uh, Willem Dafoe on the press tour for this movie. It's like, so there are these senior citizens. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> and also there's that, um, that one article within the headline out of context and it's just a picture of him smiling he says I'm, i'll do anything i'm a bit of a slut that way oh my god <laughs> have you guys seen that picture it's like oh i i need to find it there's I, that <laughs> clip there's that clip now of him like of uh willem being like it's so great to be back in this role in this world like i i just love these characters and these stories and then molina's like i just did it for the money <laughs> <laughs> what a king um, he's perfectly cast as dr Otto octavius like i know that like maybe the goat of like casting is jk simmons as uh yeah. j jonah jameson like that's and just willem like defoe. straight i think willem defoe, defoe? too yeah 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 defoe i mean defoe's always perfect in anything you could literally put him in anything and he'll always be perfectly cast no matter what um i think that like <laughs> he Molina like has that warmth to mm -hmm. him that's like really really tender like he makes you feel safe he makes you feel like you know kind of held and comforted and then when the turn happens yeah it's so perfect because it's it's almost like this like Jekyll and Hyde thing you get with a lot of these villains yeah. like it happens with uh Lizard and I guess I'm missing another. I mean, one. all of them, like kind of Electro, even like to an extent. Right. Like he's a, I mean, he's he's a weird guy, but he's like, when he gets like shocked, like, like when he gets the power, it's kind of like, what do I do with this? Yeah, yeah. And, the arms are controlling him, and he just has to kind of. He well, I guess the way he the way the acting the way it comes off is like. First of all, I love that we get to see his face the whole time, and it's not yeah. he's not covered up with a mask like we had green goblin yeah. um the fact that's a huge thing for this character but like the way he plays it is like you always can see the tenderness like hidden behind <clears throat> the the evil it's like yeah. you can see both at the same time it's such yeah. a good performance well and also shout out to um the the puppeteers of the tentacles because like in the scenes yeah. that aren't action scenes like that are aren't fully cgi like in the in the scene that uh ernie has as his background like that's 
puppeteer work. Like there were people behind him and they were like, you know, controlling the tentacles. And yeah, for the for the listeners at home, it's the scene where he brings the the tentacle up to his face and a tiny little mini tentacle comes out of the center to grab a uh, match to light his cigar. I love that because it's the same one that is like a, a sword that he can stab people with. Uh, so it's just like it's it's dual. It's like a Swiss Army knife, but on his tentacle. Um, By the way, I, the uh, sword, a Raimi creation. Yes, it was not from the comics because in the comics they're just or in most issues, there it's like a little circle and there's three like little claws around it. But in the Raimi movies, it's entirely original. Like they're little like creatures themselves. Like they have like personalities. Yeah, yeah, they like they each have their own personalities. I like Molina even named them. He had like nicknames for them. <laughs> it's so cool. Um, Did you guys ever um, see the? I'm sure you have the behind the scenes video of him singing Fiddler on the Roof. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because well, he was doing it. Because uh, they shot in New York, and he was like doing it like during downtime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I. I. God, he's just so fucking good in this role. And like, I like. I have a lot of like favorite Spider-Man villains. I think he. He rivals Batman in the sense that he has like an amazing rogues gallery of villains. Like he just like every Spider-Man villain has kind of a special place in my heart. But I would say like my favorites are probably like Doc Ock and Mysterio. Like those are the two that I always like uh, I I love. And Doc Ock is great. And I think this movie like exhibits it perfectly because he's if the backstory is good enough, it depends on like what comic or series you're watching. But like the the, the buildup of the relationship between Otto Octavius and Peter Parker is so essential to the villain side of him. Like before he becomes uh, Doc Ock, like they vibe on a science level. They like they understand each other because they're both like weird dorks who can barely hold conversations. (laughs) And they just like they know way more than any like person really should about science. And they they bond with that. And I like I love the scene in this movie where he's having dinner with um, Otto and his wife and he's talking about like how they met and like what love means. And he's like talking about like the poetry. He doesn't, he doesn't understand poetry, but it's like, it's more complicated than science to him. And, ah, oh, like what he's is a wife guy? He's a wife guy. And that makes it all the more sad, but day by day he gazed upon her. <laughs> yeah. I love the hard cut from that. He's, Toby's like poetry and the hard cuts done like reading poetry in a laundromat. Like, it's just it, ah, such good fucking movie. Kind of a perfect movie. <laughs> in that scene though, um, when he's eating with them, um, it just kind of like reminded me like, damn, like the whole like father figure aspect of like Peter Parker's life. It sucks. Like he'll like find like a, like a surrogate dad and then they'll just die or like become evil and try and kill him. Yeah. Really tragic. Just- Try it. Yeah. Um, another, like, speaking of surrogate dad, like, another really great scene in this movie. Uh, and I, it, before he, like, quits as being Spider Man officially, when he's talking to Uncle Ben in the car and, mm-hmm. and like, the dream sequence. And it's, like, great flashing moment. between him and the bedroom with when it's, like, storming outside. And he's just, like, staring. Like, his eyes look so tired. He looks, like, so emotionally exhausted. And he's, like, having that conversation about, like, am I not supposed to have what I want? what I need like like is this the price that I have to pay and he basically has to tell like he has to kill his memory of Uncle Ben to put away the suit 
Like, he has to shut out Uncle Ben's voice in his head to even, like, live with the fact that he's his own person and not just Spider-Man. And well, it's such a heartbreaking scene. Like, it's so sad. But but to your point about, like, what you were saying earlier about, like, why even be Spider-Man, that moment with Uncle Ben, I think, perfectly sets up him coming back to being Spider-Man. Because, like, that memory of Uncle Ben and how Uncle Ben dies and all of that, like, that's what makes him want to do what he does. Like, it's yeah. it's really, like, the catalyst that, like, keeps him, you know, yeah, motivated to be a fucking well, hero. That's why that scene, like, when he tells, like, him, like, I can't, like, I remember this so much from my childhood, like, that line of, like, I can be Spider-Man. And then he, like, chokes on his, like, crying. He's like, no more. Like, I yeah. fuck, it fucks me up every time. But then, like, I think this movie exhibits it, like, so perfectly at every point. Like, whether it's, like, uh, after that, uh, the montage uh, that you talked about, like, where it's him just, like, having great daily life. But it's topped with, like, that scene of the guy being mugged in the alleyway. And he does nothing. Yeah. He just has to walk away. Because Set he does to... the costume. Uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. Yes, it's so sad. And it's like, such a good scene. Um, and another like heartbreaking point, because I think really the moment that he realizes that he has to become Spider-Man again, or at least like subconsciously he realizes, is like after he saves the kid from the burning building, and he has that success, and he's like, he's kind of like, at, I, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but he's sitting there on the fire truck, thinking like, oh, I can like still save people even if I'm not Spider-Man, but then the firefighters like you know there's someone on the third floor we couldn't get her and he just kind of he's sitting there with that guilt for like a solid moment and you he kind of realizes i think in that moment like no like this is it like if i had the suit i could save that person like he's presented with that dilemma at many points in this movie like if he had the suit he could have saved that person he could have stopped this thing from happening and it's just perfect it's, it's so perfect and sad but spider-man should be sad at points. yeah the melodrama I think, yeah i think um an issue that i have with um like i really like like the new spider-man movies but a lot of my burnout with marvel movies is like when they're just like dull and like only melodramatic mm -hmm. um and i think that this does the perfect balance of all of the genres that you could possibly want. Yeah. Like I said, like it is like a character drama, but it's enjoyable to watch and you can yeah. still like laugh at it and be like charmed by it. Yeah. And like, I feel like a lot of Marvel movies don't cap. Oh. Sorry. Um, I dropped something in my mouse and it muted. Maybe it is <laughs> in the character of Spider-Man that just like inherently has that balance. Yeah. But I think definitely like, the directing of it. Yeah, the, the action in this movie is incredible. It's, and it has like a tangible heft to it that is completely missing in the, the Disney movies for the most part. Like, I know there's a lot of CGI here, obviously, but they did so much of it practically. Like, yeah. there's a lot of sets. There's a lot of like on-location stuff, you know? And yeah. you feel this, this <sighs> tangible like yeah this like weight to it yeah i mean i one of the best scenes in the movie um the hospital is well oh I, my god see that's see that's what's so funny it's like i can say one of the best scenes in this movie dot 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 and we would all have like three different <laughs> scenes. were you gonna like, say so the the train no i i mean because I that is <laughs> what that's what i think is the best scene in the movie 
Um, but one of the best scenes in the movie is um, the the first scene where he meets Doc Ock, quote unquote. And um, oh, up at the, the building. Bank. Well, the it goes from the, the bank building. to the building. Yes. And uh, you know he grabs Aunt May hostage, and yeah, like uh, all that is uh, basically sick Joel McHale cameo. <laughs> Epic. A jump scare, not even a cameo. I call cameos jump scares now, depending on who it is. Um, <laughs> um, I think that scene also, like, uh, before the action starts, kind of exhibits the, like, financial uh, hardships of Peter Parker, too. It's like, she can't even, like, get a, uh, a refinance in the house, and she comes for the free toaster, too, but... I, I want to I talk more about Aunt May in a, in a bit, but f- get to what you were going to say about the, the well, action. Well, like, I mean, even though that scene, uh, a lot of it is CGI, like, a lot of it is just so, like, fluidly mixed with um, uh, real, like, actual cameras and, like, uh, not just, like, CGI creations, like, creating a building, creating, like, every single thing in frame. Like, it's actually shot, but the CGI is just an addition to that, which is what I think most, if not everything, should be, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why it's so satisfying. Like, the way the camera moves, like, when they're falling off the building, like, Spider-Man's like punching Doc Ock in midair. Like the camera just follows the character so precisely that you are always like presently in the moment with them. Like I feel like so many of these movies have like yeah. such a they, they focus so much on spectacle that it's so refreshing to see Raimi really focus on the scrappiness of like one yes. singular and which um, was definitely in the first movie. Oh and yeah. it just gets amplified here. It's it's I it's pretty brutal in this movie. I, I don't know if anything compares to the brutality of like the third act fight of the first movie. Cause it just like seeing him like completely yeah. like, borderline dead by the end of that movie. Yeah. It's so Suits fully ripped, bloody as hell. It's hot. It's really hot. Uh, but, <laughs> the, but this don't one, tell Harry. but this one like, has like a different energy to it. Right. Like I, I would say like it's brutal, but like brutal in a different sense. Like he's fighting, like, I kind of like that he has to adapt to each different villain. Like, that's what makes him so smart, is that, like, he has to be scrappy with Goblin, because Goblin comes in to kill. Doc Ock doesn't necessarily come in to kill. He just wants the plutonium. Like, he just wants the money for the plutonium. He doesn't want to kill anybody. It's just about stopping the tentacles. Like, so it's not even supposed to be scrappy. You know what I mean? Like, so I like that each villain presents, like, a different dilemma for him. It doesn't just result in punch, punch, kick, fight. Like, it's... Yeah. It, means something different each time and that's cool Well, the the power set of these guys like you know this guy's tentacles and like the guy the other guy with the webs and the wall crawling like it just makes sense for it to be on the side of a building which yeah. like it, it's it's great <laughs> i i can't think of a lot of scenes that in movies that do that exactly like that and it just like fits perfectly with it, these two guys so good um yeah yeah they they took advantage of it perfectly and and also you did mention the hospital scene which oh is my just, God. the most I, terrifying scene like <laughs> probably scarier than any like horror movie because you don't really like expect it i think um it is a I, mini horror movie in the yeah. middle of this movie i i mentioned earlier that i saw this twice in theaters as a kid and my second time seeing it was with my grandma after um school <laughs> one day in august uh, so it's been out for like a month. Uh, uh, Ernie, I don't know if you've been to the Wakaiva Theater here in Orlando, like the Regal Wakaiva. It's oh. a solid eight screens. Uh, oh, nice. It, it's not an auditorium. Like it's all like one level. So you just kind of nice. walk down an aisle. <laughs> and I distinctly remember my grandma taking me there after school one day to go see it. And she's like, haven't you seen this movie? And I'm like, 
yeah, like, but I want to see it again. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but I just remember, like, during the hospital scene, like, it, the whole thing happens, and I'm just kind of, like, I'm sitting there, like, just, just like, doe-eyed, like, amazed by what I'm watching. And it ends, and she leans over to me and says, she whispers, even though we're the only ones in the theater, which I thought was very cute. Yeah. And she says, that was a bit loud. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> a bit yeah i know that was like the case. i always remember like the way she said that because it was yeah i think about it every time i see that scene but shout, shout out to uh shazam for trying to like recreate this scene so it was adorable cool. yeah yeah shazam fucking rules and that movie has a i mean it should be expected with um uh sandberg who also comes from horror backgrounds like right yeah uh, but yeah, they they do a pretty good job at trying to incorporate that. Uh, you can't beat Raimi though. Yeah, like this can't. man goes off. <laughs> he, this scene is, and I'm not like not hyperbolic at all. Like terrifying. Like it's yeah. actually terrifying. <laughs> I think also like the shot um, at like the presentation when Otto's wife is like standing there and when the window first blows out and there's like the glass with her face on it and then the glass just like flies into her like face or neck or wherever it flies where it kills her that's like terrifying to me for some reason I don't know why like the reflection of her face on the glass I think it's just because it's like so unexpected that it just like takes me by surprise but it's like oh he's really doing something here it's a great scene. Um, yeah, there's a lot of moments. Like I mentioned, like in the last episode, that he uh, he incorporates his horror uh, sensibilities very well in the first movie. Yeah. And vintage Raimi. And he does it. Uh, I would say just as well, if not better, in this one. Like he he really presents the the horrific nature of Doc Ock and how um, not only scary it is to have that kind of brute force met with like very human, like the doctors and the people, the presentation, his wife, even like, you know, but also like as him, Otto Octavius, like it presents like the horrors of what it's like to like lose control of your own body. Like yeah. to have these like literal tentacles take over not only your body, but your mind, like not only like control you as like kind of like a, uh, a canvas of like, to like hold, uh, like to hold you as the center of, but also like take control of your morals, like make you forget and like lose sight of like who you are morally. And like, yeah, how the scene ends with him just screaming no. Yeah. And, and the arms just like surrounding in, him also screaming. Yes. And even like when they, when he first goes to like the little hideout that he has uh, over the river or over this, uh, like over there, right? Like he talks, he's like talking to them. He's, yes. Uh, he's like saying like, I can't. I can't. <laughs> and he's like, wait, but no, plutonium. Like, I'm awesome. like, oh, fuck. It's so good. It's <laughs> like, he's like having conversations with the tentacles. Yeah. Like, we, we also get like a POV of the arms, like going yeah. after the doctors. Dude. <laughs> yeah. That, honestly, the scariest shot, I think, in any superhero movie ever, or honestly, ta- like one of the scariest scenes in any movie ever, or shots rather. When the it's dragging the nurse away and her nails are like holding on Ooh, to the ground yeah. and her nails I literally were... I like looked away and it's like tough. gritted my teeth. It's, <laughs> I it's, hate that. It's what he wants. Um I love the the homage to the 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 chainsaw, which is a love letter to Evil Dead. Uh, that's great. Um no music, <laughs> no music used I, in the whole scene. It's so good. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that's a great choice because you're just kind of like left with them. Um, even like before the attacks start happening, like when he's operating, like and you just hear like the uh, um, I forgot the thing that 
you put uh, the stuff in like it, it's like the weighing thing um and like you just hear like it's swinging back and forth and you like hear all the tools start operating so you're just like left with the silence you just it immediately builds that uneasy feeling and it never releases it just amplifies it and you're just in the moment of the the tragedy of it all until it's over and it's be- it's beautiful and horrific and just fucking awesome <laughs> for the entire time it, it's a great scene We're just going to really quick take a break for a word from some of our sponsors. Thanks, guys. Hey, friends. Do you love movies? The good ones? Even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? Of course you do. That's why you listen to this podcast. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the 20th anniversary of the cinematic masterpiece Josie and the Pussycats, Zillennial Canon Award winner, I'll add that, to comfy sweatshirts made for the brave members of the Movies By Yourself Club. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. As a special gift to you, because we love you and appreciate you, listeners can save 10% on their next order with code SUPERZILLENNIAL in all caps with no spaces at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. Thank you so much, Superyaki, for sponsoring this episode. Let's watch more movies, guys. So the other the other great scene is the train, um, which is oh, yeah. just, I mean, talk about all-time great action scenes. <laughs> like, man, this thing holds up so well, and so much of it is CGI, but again, like, like I said earlier, it's also a lot of practical stuff. And like, it just, it is this microcosm of everything this movie does so well, which is like, obviously it's a superhero movie. So you have fucking Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock, you know, yeah. you get a lot out of that, out of just the the base level thing, yeah. but also just like, not only does it look great, like it the, the shot composition is amazing, yeah. but it is just, the involvement of the passengers is yep. perfect and how they like save him and rescue him. Like, wow. Holy yeah. shit. It's well, just so good. I do want to say like that scene also works so well because remember that's the first scene where he's back as Spider-Man. Like, yeah. He steals the suit from the bugle, which by the way, that's so fucking funny. Like when JJ is like finally like changing his feelings, he's like, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> he's a, he's a, and then he likes, you hear like the web. He's, like, he's, a, he's a thief. He's a crook. He's a... <laughs> and then like it hard cuts the subway scene. And, and uh, it's just, it, it's so perfectly done. Like everything, like you mentioned, I mean, like the, the, the usage of like the passengers on the train is perfect because it just embodies that what, like, yeah, this is why you do it. Like the whole movie has the question of like, why are you Spider-Man? Like, what do you gain from it? It's the people. Like, it's the yeah. people of New York that you're saving. Like, that shot where he, like, wakes up, and it's just, like, the POV of, like, what he's looking at. It's, like, it's just all these, like, different people, yeah. like, ages, uh, like, gender, like, ethnicity, everything. 
It's the He's just a kid, no older yeah. than my son. Fuck! Ooh. That line gets me every time. <laughs> I have two things to say about the subway scene. One, I love the one guy that is like, if you want to get Spider-Man, you have to go through me. And then he just mm-hmm. stares directly into the camera and like doesn't move and just like, like breathes. It. He just breathes through his mouth for like five <laughs> solid minutes. And then more people too. It's like, and me. And then the one lady's like, me too. And like they all get in the way. They the all new get like, energy. The one guy just doesn't move. The big like guy, he's yeah. just like a big like the like New guy. York guy. Who has but definitely been in The Sopranos before. I definitely, know. yeah. <laughs> Another thing, too, is when I was in middle school, I think, like, you know, like, those kids that are like, yeah, I modeled as a kid. <laughs> this one kid was like, I was in the subway scene in Spider-Man 2. We all just, like, believed him and, like, never even looked for him. But he was like, yeah, you could definitely see me. And I'm pretty sure he was lying. <laughs> Do a freeze. Like, like, find him. So yeah. apparently the kids that hand Toby uh, or Peter back his um, his mask are Toby's brothers. His okay, little that's brothers. Cute. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I like By the that. way, that's Toby's great. faces, I know like it's a meme, <laughs> but like come on, it's so good. Yeah. He's so <laughs> good. Like he's doing the thing, man. This is a comic book movie. Like you I don't know. This is that's what I love about this movie. It's like it does the comic book thing. It it has like these sequences, these frames that feel like they are they have that energy of being like illustrations, like from a mm-hmm. comic book. And yet it feels real. It feels like from a tangible reality that you could step foot in. And and yeah. like that's the that's what you get out of those crazy faces when as he's straining to hold back the train. Yeah. Like you could tell that he's actually like expelling energy. Yeah. yeah. Like it's not just like things are like easy for him. And I There's feel like that's what, Yeah, that's what a lot of the movie and the character is, is yeah. that like you can see him physically exerting energy and emotionally exerting energy. And that's what's like important about it. Well, I I love that. Like, it's not just the fight with Doc Ogg that is, like, getting him. Like, because any other movie, I feel like, would just, like, stop it at, like, oh, he either beats or doesn't beat Doc Ogg. Like, no, it goes the extra mile. It's like, he has to, like, stop the collateral damage of it all. Like, he has to, like, like literally stop a moving train. Mm-hmm. And, like, well, yeah, he's he has super strength. He's not Superman. Like, he can't just do that. And I love that he, again, he has to, like, outsmart the situation. He has to, under, like, he has to adapt to the situation, which is something that I think Spider-Man, like, that's my favorite power of his, is his intelligence. It's better than anything else that he has. Like, Peter Parker always knows how to, in the moment, adapt the situation. Or if he doesn't, he learns yeah. from it in the next battle and takes it in with him. On and, the fly. Uh, that's what makes him so humanistic and perfect. Uh, and this movie, again, portrays that perfectly. Uh, but yeah, like the mo- like just like the the imagery of him, like shooting like all these webs, like a hundred different webs, and like he's just straining himself. And I I love the shot. He's about to fall, and the hands all mm. grab him, and Perfect. they just like float him over the crowd and lay him down gently, like very softly. And I love like the horror, like the way he feels his face when he realizes the mask isn't on, and he's like he has like that moment of shock and terror, like oh my god my identity and i just i love they're all kind of like the one guy's like don't worry 
we won't tell anybody. It's okay. It's a and, real Hannah Montana movie moment. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the kid hands him back the mask, and it's like, it's good to have you back, Spider-Man. Yeah. You like, get fuck. the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. It's just... Yeah. He chills it out, he takes it slow, then he rocks out the show. <laughs> Three more Hannah Montana references than I was expecting in this episode. When you're famous, it can be kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> that that line with a question mark is like the tagline for Spider-Man 2. When you're famous, it could be kind of fun? Question mark? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Um, Not even a little bit. <laughs> no. Um, I also do want to uh, mention, like, after uh, after this happens, he, uh, like, after he, like, knocks Peter out for, like, one more time. Because, like, he just gets the shit kicked out of him in this entire scene. Uh, it goes directly to Harry's penthouse, mm-hmm. which, again, I, what I mentioned earlier, like, you could mention, like, a hundred different scenes in this movie. And, like, they are all goaded, like, perfect scenes. The scene is this scene is perfect like he he's like chained up in barbed wire just laying on harry's couch and like it's lightning outside and again the drama <laughs> is the, the way the music builds up to that moment he slowly gets out the knife like oh it, it fucking cinema baby like oh my god <laughs> and i remembered um when this was coming out the teasers always ended with him like uh walking up to spider-man and Harry saying, let's see who's behind the mask. And then it would mm. say, June, blah, 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 2004. And there was I, a... I was going to say, like, every time I saw that as a kid, I would, like, lose my shit completely. I'd be like, fuck, what's going to happen? Like, There was a, a <laughs> teaser that was also the scene in the cafe, right? Where yeah, it's, it, like, yeah. Auk is, like, coming, and you can, everything shakes. The camera, another, like, shakes as he steps. Another amazing scene where uh, he sees it in uh, in her eyes, I think, or something. And uh, no, his, his spidey senses are like tingling it and uh, has to like grab her in slow motion. And uh, I, I love like the throwing down the glasses, clenching his fists. Uh, just he's back as Spidey in that moment. That's that's one of those scenes um, that they like storyboarded to a T. Yeah. And mm-hmm. again, it just has that comic book like look to it where it's like they go in slow motion as they're dodging the car. And every frame of that sequence is literally just a comic book panel. It, it is so perfect. The way, like, the 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 wheels of, uh, or the tire, like, barely misses their face, like, when he's grabbing MJ. Um, and I, like, love, like, the way it keeps, like, zooming into their faces, like, every time, like, the the claw, the claw hits the ground. And, uh, and I love, like, this last time he sees MJ before it's revealed that he's Spider-Man at the end. Like, that's the note that they leave off on. It's, like, that moment of, like, will they, won't they? And that's what kind of rides the entire relationship of this movie. And it's it's perfectly done. Um, so but, real quick, you mentioned you mentioned Harry. Yes. Um, it's interesting because he. You guys are going to cover Spider-Man three, right? No, because we um, shout out to the Queer Quadrant podcast. We were just on there. I couldn't tell you what month of the year we were on there, but it was and sometime. You co- that, and you covered it. Yeah, yeah, very recently. Yeah, a few months ago. So, we covered, like, the, um, like, the queer subtext. <laughs> but we also covered... 
Oh, the eyeliner. The movie in general. But Which, yeah. yeah. So if just want to throw it out there. If you guys want to, after this episode, listen to our thoughts on Spider-Man 3, head over to the Queer Quadrant. Just in general, they're amazing people, but yeah, that episode was a lot of fun, and we covered them. Yeah. yeah. So, and they were on our Narnia episode with us. Oh, they're, I listened yeah. to that one. That was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, they're, yeah, great. they're great. Yeah. Um, so one of my biggest gripes about that movie is how they fumbled the Harry Osborn subplot because it had been so patiently set up in these first two movies that it was like the, all of the venom shit just like completely took away from like, it just took all the air out of that. Um, and in this movie, it's like, I love, I love everything about it, but it's like, uh, it just feels like they didn't, it didn't go where I wanted it to because I know what happens in the next movie. <laughs> but it's like, it, if I just like put like, you know, eye blinders on and forget about the third movie, it's like so perfect that <laughs> you have this like grieving Harry who is just so distraught about basically Spider-Man killing his dad. Um, and, you know, trying to channel that through leading the company and helping Otto, but then there's just this like inner rage. And then you add this scene you brought up about him actually finding out that it's Peter the whole time. Like, oh my God, the drama of it all. It's so good. It's so perfect. I just wish that the third movie had like given us that payoff because even the way this movie ends with Willem coming back to kind of tee it off there um it's just it's just like damn like they really kind of fumbled the bag there i i will say i think wait remind me again how does he get amnesia in the first one in the third one he when he's chasing peter through the city he like he gets uh, clunked on the head oh my god he like shoots the web and then he hits the web and then he he hits like a uh, outside like ac vent (laughs) <laughs> and then he smashes against the building and then falls like face first. Into the that was literally just a regular day in New York. That's so yeah, stupid. I, um, yeah, it, it's someone uh, added. I watched a TikTok the other day and it was that scene, but they added like uh, sound effects with like boink. boink. <laughs> <laughs> it, <laughs> I watched it on like a loop for like uh, eight hours. I uh, really, but I. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't even stop thinking about that um <laughs> but i will say about spider-man 3 I, I, it's a heavily flawed movie um but and i do think they very clumsily uh like insert like the amnesia subplot which i don't think really works at all it's just very goofy in the way like you know he tries to steal mj from peter and like all that shit's like very it's very goofy they make but, an omelet together yeah and and do the twist together uh <laughs> yeah um yeah it's 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 i'm not going to defend that no i won't but but at the end where he shows up on the glider and he helps peter up it's a great moment i'll I'll, let me fucking tell you i was a 10 year old and i was crying in that theater it was i think it was the first time i ever cried during a movie like in a theater and i was like holy shit like i felt it so hard at that moment as a kid and in his death too, it's really well done. Like the uh, the look of like the 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 sun rising over New York and Harry's like dead in MJ and Peter's arms and oof, that was it, that was the first time I remember being like really disappointed by a movie. I was I, so I was, excited. I was the the hype levels were at an all time 
high. Like when when I saw that poster of him like moody with the black suit and it's just a three, I was like, this is it, baby. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you were what, 14, 13 at the time? It was 07, so 13, yeah. Yeah, I was 10, nine or ten at the time. So like I I think I was before that like critical mindset. Like I was at I still at the age where like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Like I'm watching a Spider-Man movie in, in theaters. This is so cool. Like there were no critical, like um I had not seen enough movies at that point, or like real like, you know, cinema, you know, to like know what was melodramatic and what was not. So like I was just going with like my nostalgia. I'm like, oh no. Harry's trying to kill Spider-Man like you know like I <laughs> so like at a young age it worked and I still have, like a ton of nostalgia for that movie like I still remember going there my mom letting me skip school opening day um seeing at the like a 10 a.m matinee with her at our local AMC and uh just I remember we walked into like the 9 30 a.m matinee and the trailer for Order of the Phoenix was playing and we like and there were like no seats except for the first row and like just like walking back to customer service, getting it for like the ten thirty a.m. showtime, and then it's like okay, now we're ready to fucking go. Like I had the whole hour of just like eating the popcorn before the movie even started, and just like <laughs> uh, that's the only canon by the way, finishing the popcorn before the movie. Yeah. <laughs> also, like uh, <laughs> throwback to the days where it's like you didn't really pick your seats beforehand, so yeah, you were just yeah. like fucked if you walked into a theater like that, not an hour early in the aisle on yeah. the stairs. <laughs> Yeah. Like Tokyo oh Drift, which was a fire hazard. Uh, <laughs> uh, which was a fire hazard. It wasn't li- like I was literally sitting on the staircase during Tokyo Drift. That's how I saw that movie for the first time. Dom, Dom um, would be proud. Uh, yeah. I, I still remember like literally when Dom shows up at the end of that movie, my entire theater like it pierced my ear. Like the entire theater like went ape shit. Like everyone's like, like literally like monkeys like jumping up for a banana. Like they were like fucking like going over. <laughs> These no, are it, was my that, it was that uh, that video of all those Dom lookalikes going family, family, yeah, family. Literally. <laughs> After two hours of fucking Lucas Black, you get that's my Dom. sleep paralysis demon. <laughs> um, but oh, what was I gonna say? Uh, yeah, and then also like when you're in an empty movie theater, or you have like shitty seats in a movie theater, and then the movietickets.com ad. Uh, plays in front of a movie and you feel like a fucking idiot because you're like yeah because they're like are you are you in a bad theater like you should have bought the one movie tickets.com or whatever it's like a porn ad where it's like jerking off by yourself it's like oh you didn't buy it it's like oh you didn't buy your fucking tickets in time you fucking loser like maria menounos (laughs) single girls in your area ready to fuck uh, fuck. Um, really just got like <laughs> third of the tickets to see the Matrix. Oh yeah, I uh, I bought my uh, Resurrections tickets today. Uh, uh, hashtag Matrix Monday, am I right, guys? Uh, I'm yeah. I'm gonna watch it uh, on HBO Max on a VR headset. <laughs> <laughs> They're showing it at like there's this one movie theater. I feel like I talk about it all the time on the pod. Um, it's AMC Lincoln Square in New York City and it is the biggest IMAX screen in the country nice. and I used to have like access to that because it's included on A-list I used to have like such easy access to that like living in the city I would just like take the subway like an hour just to go there 
they're showing like the matrix on that they're showing west side story on that like every single day i'm just like god damn it like imagine seeing like all these movies on that imax screen like ironically i remember sending you a text in uh, agreement that i would fly to new york for mission impossible 7 to see it with you there so True. maybe i gotta get my shit together before next year and, yeah uh, you gotta yeah um Literally, if i saw what I saw Fallout there. I would have fucking Yeah, died. I saw Fallout there. First Man, like, Incredibles Ooh. 2. Nice. So good. I will say the uh, the screening that I'm going to for Spider-Man next week is at uh, the biggest IMAX in Florida. And I'm, um, buddy, when I tell you I'm excited. Thank you, Is it yeah. the point? The, the, the iDrive one? Yes. And, nice. uh, buddy, oh boy. I, like, I am, I... I'm gonna fucking die. That screen is amazing. I saw <laughs> yeah, I, Dune. I saw Dune there. Um, I didn't, but I it's getting reissued this week, I believe. And I yeah, uh, that was I I went to Arrakis. That was <laughs> insane. I saw Shang Chi there, and I saw it like in the square middle, which was good. But I think I need to go even higher for Spider Man because I, uh, I don't know, like sitting in the middle, I was kind of like, wow, I'm being like overwhelmed with like all the image, and I need to like. I feel like I need to sit above it to like fully like uh, appreciate it all. But um, but also the, I think this is like one of the very early IMAX movies too, Spider-Man too. Because when I was looking for a um, uh, stills to upload for the uh, Pods Twitter account as the profile picture, they I did IMAX like, for this. Interesting. Yeah, because I, I saw I found the IMAX poster and it said like swing in, like swing into uh, blah 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 an IMAX. And it like, had to it had to take away time from like James Cameron's Aliens of the Deep. Oh my fucking god. Oh my god. <laughs> that, that was like the only thing they were showing in IMAX in, in like 2004. When um, I was a kid, I literally, so I went to like our local like air and space museum or whatever. And I saw like a like IMAX like in the dome movie. Yeah, that's what it used and to be. And it was about like storm chasing or something. Nice. And I was like, holy shit. And like, okay. I didn't realize that all IMAX screens like weren't like that. And I didn't see an IMAX movie until I was like in early high school because I think Guardians of the Galaxy was my first one like out outside of that. And I remember being like, oh my God, cool. I'm going to go see it in IMAX. It was just like a screen that was just like a little bit bigger than the other yeah. screen. Um, <laughs> and I was so disappointed. Yeah. I, shout out to uh, other Floridians listening to the pod, but uh, uh, the Orlando Science Center here also has like one of those big uh, dome theaters. I don't, have you ever been there, Ernie? The Science Center Theater? I have not, no. It, it's a great screen, but they also only show like nature docs and stuff, which that's great, but it's also like, fuck, like, what's, what's like, why can't we play Dune? Like, let's play something here. Um, let's let's go to Arrakis at the Science Center. The when only I, thing I've seen there is uh, I saw Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for some reason and the oh. Polar Express on a dome screen. Nice. Which was surreal. It sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> Both of those sound like a nightmare. <laughs> I remember the scene like where they're going down like the the chocolate uh the waterfall or something, and they're in like the little candy ship. I remember like feeling nauseous at that point, but uh, otherwise it was cool. When I search a uh, IMAX 2004 on Google, the first result is uh, NASCAR 3D. Oh my god! The oh, IMAX yeah. experience. I feel like I saw that. I'm not even joking, or like, like I definitely saw that. They have a um, NASCAR museum on iDrive here, 
I've been there. Uh, I have pictures of me there. I they have an IMAX theater where they only play that movie. I'm not kidding. Uh, Incredible. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole genre of just like movies that are made specifically for IMAX that are like under an hour long. They're like 45 minutes long. <laughs> it's yep. just like um, shit like this. Like fighter pilot, Operation Red Flag. <laughs> Fake movies. Um, if I'm not mistaken, like the first movie to ever shoot any sequence with the intent of IMAX was Attack of the Clones, I think. I could oh, be wow. wrong about that. Um, but I like I, I remember reading about that one day, like that uh I believe the third act, like the the big like Jedi versus Sith versus all the yeah. like, the big fight scene at the end. Uh, apparently that was filmed for IMAX and uh that was like one of the first of its kind. Yeah. I there mean were- I, it's actually the third, according to Wikipedia, it's the third movie to be released in IMAX after Fantasia 2000 and Apollo 13. Oh, that's We're talking about, like, sick. proper, like, movies. Imagine okay. seeing Fantasia 2000 in IMAX. That's so cool. Um, my yeah. first IMAX movie was uh, Cloverfield, I believe, I think. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I remember going, because I, here in Orlando, um, AMC Altamont, they had just built the IMAX theater there. It used to just be the uh, auditorium that it was in was just a regular theater, and then they built an IMAX screen in there. Um, and I I believe that was my first IMAX movie, unless I'm misremembering it. But um, yeah, I think that was my first one. And uh, then I didn't see another one until Monsters vs. Aliens. Like, <laughs> I, remember, I remember going to see a Star Trek Into Darkness in IMAX, and like the... Yep the whole like thing like broke and it, they had to like reboot the entire like projection system oh and it God. took like it took like half an hour <laughs> and i was just like i don't even want to see this movie anymore <laughs> yeah i saw that that was my first movie at the point orlando and that uh that fucked with me that was a yeah, that was a trip seeing <laughs> benedict cumberbatch like scream at you in like 70 millimeter um because they used to have 70 millimeter there uh but then they got rid of it but um it was like one of the last theaters in Florida that had 70 millimeter for a while. Um, but yeah, uh, God, I, I kind of wish they would re-release the Raimi trilogy in IMAX because I'd I'd go feral for that. They, I was thinking they should have done something leading up to No well, Way Home. I mean, you you guys are kind of riding the train for them. Like they, it, it they're kind of the movie comes out in like a week. And it's yeah. like it feels like we're just starting like the hype because it's been so secretive and like they were trying to fight the leaks and all this shit. It's like yeah. they could have really like leaned into it and yeah. re-released like all the movies and built like a whole thing around it. Yeah, there? like the ticket sales, like I said it on the last episode, like I haven't seen anything like this since The Force Awakens when like every single ticket throughout of all of New York City was sold out. Same. Like literally I had a friend who was like, I can get you in. Like my friend works at this theater and then they were like turned away because there was not one seat left in New York City. Yeah. And <clears throat> like I just remember like the few days before it, they were doing like 24 hour marathons of people just sitting in AMC theaters and in like, um, like, I don't know if Bowtie Cinemas was a chain, but there was one in the city, but people were literally sitting in the theaters for like hours watching every single Star Wars movie. And it's like, there are no, like, there are not a lot of new movies coming out. Like, new movies are just starting to come out now. And I'm not saying for Disney to buy up, like, more screens. And maybe it is, like, a rights issue with, like, Sony or whatever. 
but it's like they could have easily done this like I mean I think it's just a matter of like I mean I can speak for every theater but like my local theater they're showing like on all 15 16 screens of the 20 and it's still sold out yeah which is like it's still sold out it's kind of because Uh, I saw a tweet today which is the only reason why I got my matrix tickets was I saw a tweet today and they were like literally there's only like there's very minimal like premium format showings of the matrix because spider-man like still has them like oh, spider-man oh. is still going to be, be in fair, the though, format theater to be fair though matrix is kind of fucking themselves over with that release date because they're releasing a week like a less than a week after spider-man like there's no world where spider-man leaves less than a week at imax and yeah. just like objectively like as a theater manager like what do you do do you play in IMAX a movie where the fans barely like the sequels too? Or do you play Spider-Man, which is like breaking every ticket sale record of all time? You fucking play Spider-Man. Like no, I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get that, like, but it's still like depressing. It's, it I makes don't know. Sense. Maybe Warner brothers shouldn't be fucking up the release dates. Honestly. Like I, I think they are just shooting like the management at Warner brothers this year is like clinically insane. And uh, they should have bumped that movie to 2022. Like, they should have given it a proper theatrical run. Like, the fact that that, that in Dune, the fact that either of those are... Yeah, it's shocking that they didn't... Yeah, like, you should have bumped, like, you did Batman. They did that for Batman, but you should have done that for Suicide Squad, Dune, and I would say Matrix. Like, all three of those should have had, like, that 45-day window. They had already bumped Dune, though. That's the thing. It's like, it, at a certain point, you just have to let the movie bomb. You know, it's, it's just, like it had already, they just kept kicking the can down. Yeah, I I guess it's just for me, it's like, just the idea of like a Matrix movie. Like it's it's coming out in less than two weeks and it's not, I mean like on Twitter, like my circles are excited and I'm, I'm stoked. I can't wait. I'm seeing the original on Friday on theaters. Nice. Um, can't wait. Uh, but it doesn't feel like an event. It doesn't feel like anything is building up to it. And it's because Warner Brothers like literally fucked themselves with that release date. Like, of course it's gonna get clouded by Spider-Man. Of course it is. Like they need to like, and there's so many weeks in 2022 with no like movies coming out that week. Like give it its own like little window. Give Wachowski like the respect they deserve. Like, um, uh, like just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm being a little, I, I'm what if, bitchy about it, but I, what if Neo enters the spider verse? Oh no. Very <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, that's who but, we need to defeat the Sinister Six. That's so, who's punching Lizard <laughs> in the in the Brazilian trailer. Um, yeah, I. Uh, so I I will say this one and um, the last one we covered, Spider-Man One and Two. They both. Um, if we're gonna go talk about the third act of this movie, they both fucking die. Like the villains, they both like fully. Do, like yeah, I don't know dead. how they're gonna do it. They, I it's it's gonna be a lot of like Doctor Strange, like they they mess with the time conundrum of the of the vortex of the blah blah blah. Well, it could be Loki. Life. It could be like variants, like in Loki. Yeah, I, I'm willing to bet it's just entirely vague. That way, they don't have to explain it. <laughs> like I, I, that's what I'm willing exactly. to bet it is. It's like, and Marvel does that a lot, where there's so much like speculation of like, how are they gonna explain this? Like, I remember, like, the hype before Endgame. It's like, how are they going to 
justify the stones being used in a start gauntlet. It's like they, they just put it in the gauntlet. It's yeah, like, there's, it's there's fine. No, no, there's no like how do they talk about how do they even invent time travel? He figures it out like at two a.m. He builds the, a spaceship that they can. The ride climax it. of this movie is perfect. I mean, the that whole like energy solar fusion thing. Yeah. It it still holds up. It looks great. The imagery of it over the river too, like yeah. while the building is barely holding together, is just the set design. Okay. They built like a miniature yes. set of one of that thing. It's like a. It looks like a warehouse, but it's like so like, I don't know, like gaudy. It's like yeah. this like beautiful building, but it's like um, falling apart. It's so the entire like third act of this movie is so grimy and like yeah. gross and I, I love that because I like like even when MJ is like she's like chained up on this like rusty chain and just like her it arms looks... are like dirty like you can't yeah. tell if they're like bloody or if they're she's just like covered in like mud or something she looks like in pain from like holding yeah. her arms like that for like hours and she looks like so exhausted and uh, beat for MJ um I, I don't know why, but, like, one of my favorite shots of this entire movie that I just distinctly remember, like, loving as a kid is, like, where uh, he's, like, arguing with MJ, uh, like, the auto is, and then, like, uh, Spider-Man swings down, like, quietly is, like, surprised yeah. me or something. And then, like, Otto <laughs> notices, but he doesn't do anything about it. He just kind of smirks to himself. And behind his smirk, you see him crawling on the wall like a spider. And I just, I don't know why, but that shot as a kid, I just always loved it. Because I like the calm before the storm of the big fight. Like, it's just so fucking cool. The moment when Auk comes back, uh, like, you can see the twinkle in his eye, and he's not being controlled by the arms anymore. That's that's a really good moment. Peter uh, Parker, brilliant but lazy. Yeah. And we, we got to talk about, like, the actual ending with, like, MJ, like, running away from her own wedding. It's Beautiful. so good. Incredible. It's so sad how it's, like, we get this like triumphant like Spider-Man swinging through New York, but the actual like final shot of the movie is MJ alone staring off into the distance. Yeah. Like, well, holy shit. Well, I was going to say, like, I mean, honestly, before even the final shot, like, you know, after Otto. Well, OK, so like with Otto coming back to like consciousness and he has to like argue with them tentacles like, i love that line like listen to me listen to <laughs> me now and they're like arguing with him and like they're like screeching at him <laughs> like i i like again there's so many like line deliveries in this movie that are like ingrained in my brain because i just watch it on repeat on an unhealthy amount as a kid uh but yeah like his the way he like snaps out of it and like he tells pete like peter convinced like you have to shut it down like the entire city um, and he just kind of like tells him like, this is like your responsibility. Like, you have to do it. And like, and that's what like, and he's Peter, him. like the mask is off. Yeah. Like, it's not Spider-Man. It's Peter Parker in that. That's moment. what, and I love almost like the dramatic irony of that. Right. Like the person that saves Otto isn't Spider-Man. It's Peter Parker. And it's a beautiful way to like end Otto's character, at, at least for now, even his character. Um, and but Otto also, saves like, New York. Otto, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. Otto saves the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, which was the intent from the beginning in a different way. But I, yeah, it's just, it's perfectly done. And, but also like, even when the mask comes off and he has to like hold the building over MJ and he's just like forced to confront her in that moment while he's holding the building from crushing her. <laughs> and she's, he's like, you know, like, she's like, it's you? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, just while he's like, <laughs> <fucking> dying. <laughs> 
Um, it's just, it's honestly like I, another goaded scene in this movie is that after uh, Otto dies and he also the imagery of like him sinking to the river with the the plutonium behind him. Um, but like when he in the web, like when he lays MJ on the web and they're just talking and he's just saying, like he's explaining himself. He's like, now you know, like why I could never be there. Yeah. But he's like, I've always loved you, but I'm also always going to be Spider-Man. It's like, girl, come on. You didn't figure it out by now. Yeah, no, I, literally. Well, come it, on. But also at that moment, she's like, I've always, she's like, I guess I've always known. Like. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and it's like, it's, but it's just, but it's so well done. Like, um, I don't know if there's a better Spider-Man musical cue in like all, <laughs> Ernie just switched his background to uh, Peter Parker's closet. <laughs> it, it immediately made me laugh. Um, One perfect shot. <laughs> um, <laughs> he uh, wants to, every man should have two outfits in his closet. Spider-Man suit. And, That's, shitty uh, suit. and regular suit. <laughs> me and my wife's wedding and me and my uh, Spider-Man. <laughs> um, I, uh, but and also, we even talk about the great Bruce Campbell cameo. Uh, oh, fantastic! Legend. Uh, so sure good. You might want to fix your uh, tie. Can I help you? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, no one will be uh, seated after the doors are closed. It helps maintain the illusion. My uh, my man goes off in Spider-Man Three as the, so the, cool. the 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 um the host at the restaurant. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just like taking the wrong cues at the wrong time, like fucking setting the staff back at the kitchen. He's, the, he's the at room. the at the wrestling gig in the first one. Yep, he's the one that he he's the one that names him Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I forgot. Yeah, because he says human spider. Yeah, the human spider. It's like <laughs> the amazing Spider Man. Like, yeah, um, yeah. And also, did you know this? He was supposed to um play Mysterio in Spider Man Four. Ah, uh, yeah. Damn. He was um he was supposed to be the opening uh bad like he was supposed to open like him stopping Mysterio and dragging him into a police station. And the rest of the movie, the main villain of that was supposed to be John Malkovich as the vulture. That's right. And uh apparently Anne Hathaway is Black Cat as well. Um so Yeah, they wanted to do Black Cat in this movie and I'm glad they didn't. Uh, it, it was in an original treatment and they just they took it out for the for the better, I, just because you need to clear the field for Doc Ock. You, I yeah, I agree. It's better that she wasn't in this movie, but I'm also patiently waiting for a proper uh, Black Cat adaptation because uh, Spider-Man PS4 fucking nailed it. They you weren't they, a fan of um of uh, <laughs> uh, what was, what's her name? I uh, uh, from Murphy Rogue One, kind of, friend of the pod Murphy, kind of fixing and kill me because um, he like loves her. Um, Fuck, what's her name? Like crazy. Uh, uh, also, Theory of Everything. God, okay, I'm going to look it up. Um, she has, like, bangs and everything. Felicity Jones. She always has bangs, Felicity yeah. Jones. Great actress. No disrespect to you, Miss Jones. I just <laughs> forgot your name. Yeah, she's in Amazing Spider-Man 2 for, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> and uh, she, like, looks up a download on uh, Osborne's screen. It says the Black Cat Protocol. And it's, like, among yeah. the other 100 sequel setups in that fucking movie um but i don't even remember that good i mean i mean i i think the movie is actually what well, good actually trademark sign um <laughs> but that like some of that shit is just awful and it's inexcusable um but <laughs> uh but yeah like this movie i think you talk about like things that they thought 
they wanted to add into the, like the story and the the treatment and everything. But I think this really has. If Spider-Man three like went overboard a little bit with villains and uh, characters and storylines, they couldn't quite juggle. Um, this one really has the perfect balance. Of, yeah. uh, uh, even though it has one villain, it also has like so much else going on in inclusion to the villain. Um, but it's it's just perfectly balanced, uh, as Thanos would say. Yeah. should be. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, and you mentioned the the final shot, like the final swing. Um, well, I, I love that, again, like, the whole movie is, like, Peter taking L's left and right. Like, just, like, nonstop, my boy. Life is beating him down. If it's not, like, him literally being beaten up by, as Spider-Man, uh, he is m- metaphorically being beaten down by life. He fucking and, loses his powers. He, yeah, like, he loses can't his, even... It, this is a great metaphor for erectile dysfunction. Um, yeah. um, but <laughs> Which, by the way, I got to shout out. I'm back. I'm back. My back. back. My back. <laughs> so good. So good. Truly, um, like, things like that, like, the dumbest things. I'm just like, they really don't do it like this anymore. Yeah, like, I feel like such a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, grandma, let's get you to bed. uh but and i love like again this whole movie in the first movie too it's just him taking l's left and right and the movie finally ends with peter parker getting one thing he gets one thing that cements mj as the love of his life um she's the one that sees him loves him um is willing to make that sacrifice with him and that's what makes that uh that ending so perfect there's a hint of sadness to it. Oh, a lot of a lot of sadness. A lot of sadness, because like yeah. It, it, well, first like he swings out. She's like, "Go get him, Tiger," and it's like, "Fuck yeah!" And he swings through the city. But then the last shot is like the the music gets lower and sadder and slower, and it's just her looking at the city and knowing what she signed up for, and the consequences that might face them. And yeah. then it cuts to credits and like motherfucker. What a way to end a movie. Oh my God. Like, oh, wait, I, (laughs) we didn't even talk about, um, actually you go off because I have another scene I want to talk about. In, in, in the, in the audio commentary, Toby compares it to the graduate ending. I was literally just going to make a joke and say graduate type beat. Yeah. And Sam Raimi's like, what, what movie? (laughs) What are you talking about? <laughs> I only watch like dirty horror movies. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, this was written, the screenplay or a treatment of it was written by the same person who wrote, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Normal People or something. The same person who wrote The Graduate wrote this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Dustin Hoffman wrote this movie. Um, no, uh, but I was going to mention another scene in this movie that I think is like, all time, I think it's like maybe the best like exchange of dialogue in any superhero movie ever is um, Aunt May's uh, speech about yes. to be a hero. Um, I I wanted to circle back to this. This is this is peak shit. Like I think yeah. Aunt May is like Loki, the MVP of this movie because her mm. hero speech is just like it's like a cornerstone. For, it's like the thesis statement for this movie. Yeah, it, uh, and I, I'm not saying I want Tobey Maguire to die in the new Spider-Man movie, but I will say if he dies and uh, it's in the rain and it's like, it goes, calls back to like what 
Aunt May is talking about, like, when you finally die with pride. If they fucking kill him off, I will, like, think back to that speech, and I will fucking lose my mind. I will go feral. I will not talk <laughs> to humanity for weeks. I, You will have called back to an emotional core memory that I formed as a seven-year-old and fucked me <laughs> up as an adult. You're, you're going to be Nicolas Cage and Pig <laughs> in a cabin <laughs> with a pig. I just rewatched that today. That's why I got me. <laughs> That's good. Um, I'm going to go and deliver like, to, like, like tools to you, like materials it's in, a, a, in a sports car. Yeah, you, you won't you say are, a word. And instead of um, instead of uh, my truffle pig being taken, it's uh, my Toby action figure that uh, who has the combo punch, and I can uh, press the spider logo on the back, and he says catchphrases, which is definitely <laughs> not Toby McGuire's voice, but uh, it sounds cool, anyways. Uh, pizza time. Pizza. My action figure did say pizza time. I remember <laughs> it said pizza time. It's like um, but not in his voice. Now it it sounded enough like him, but I remember when I was like seventeen, I found it again. And I pressed the button and it was like slowed down and it was like, and I'm like, oh, that's not Tobey Maguire. Like, <laughs> there's two. I want to say two things about Aunt May. Um, so, first of all, she, uh, the scene when when Toby when Peter like tells her what really happened with uh, Uncle Ben and how he died, devastating, yeah. devastating. Holy and she just like leaves shit. the room. Oh, she didn't even like have pulls to her hand anything. away. Yeah, mm-hmm. gets me every time. Like, just <laughs> guts me. And the going back to like the bank scene, uh, Rosemary Harris did like uh, pretty much all her stunts, uh, her own stunts during that whole sequence fighting Doc Dog. Yeah. yeah, she's still kicking today. By the way, she's still um. Right? I actually watched an interview with her recently, just because. Uh, yeah, it was actually after I finished this movie, because I was like. Is she like you have to be morbid about? Is she alive? Like, is she like yeah. is she? Uh, and I found like an interview with her like a few years ago where she like won some like because apparently she's a Broadway actress, um, uh, above a movie actress, and she uh, she won like some kind of like Lifetime Achievement Award. She's ninety four. Yeah, it's oh like, queen. She better be in the new one. Like, I swear to God, if she doesn't show up, <laughs> she's the one that kicks the lizard and. Uh... <laughs> I love she like fucking wax Doc Ock in this. Yeah. Movie. Oh my god. Shame on you. <laughs> Shame on you. She smacks him with her umbrella or something. And even like when uh, Spidey catches her and like lands her on the ground, she's like, we sure showed him. Who's we? Like, and just. <laughs> I love. I love that she gets in on the action. Like, just little things like that is what makes this movie perfect. It's she, so good. She's a great Aunt May. She's she's really good. I, I mean, I actually think every Aunt May so far has been. Uh, really good sally field too was also really good but um there's like little scenes throughout the trilogy like earlier in the movie like when she's trying to just give him like a 50 dollar bill and uh he doesn't want to take it because he sees like the the notice and she just screams i'm like yeah you can take this money it's not much so take it like fuck like it's just so many scenes where she, when she just, gives like, him the ring in the third one it's a really good one after she tells the whole story about ben's yeah. proposal yeah, yeah. That's good shit. It's the good shit, man. That's the good shit. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there were rumors that um, Raimi heavily... I mean, they can't like officially confirm it until the new one comes out, but uh, apparently he was a heavy consultant on uh, No Way Home. Like, 
they got his blessings with everything they do with Toby in this movie with him first, uh, which if true, that's super cool. Uh, they also did the same with Mark Webb, I believe. It's um, just so funny that his last name is Webb. Like that still makes me yeah, laugh I, to this day. I distinctly remember sitting, that was the first movie I ever went to as a press at a press screening. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was me and like 10 other people at an IMAX theater, uh, like on a Tuesday before release. And, um, I remember it cut to credits that directed, like the last shot of that movie, spoiler alert, is him shooting a web. And then it hard mm-hmm. cuts to direct by Mark Webb. And then a guy behind me went, ha! Webb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I mean, not to not to be a boomer like Kira, but they really don't make them like this anymore. They really don't. So there's a couple of stray things from my notes that I want to bring up before we wrap up. First of all, you you guys touched on it plenty uh, last week, but Danny Elfman, like, just the score is just impeccable. Like, somehow it's a little mm-hmm. bit better. He does like some things differently here, and he he, he goes hard on him. It's it's just an all time fucking. It just goes so hard. It that rocks. Scene, I brought it up like when he's on the web with MJ, and then he uh, the that music that builds up after he like slowly like swings her down, and the way he like looks at her as she's hugging her fiance, and the way he, when he like he puts the mask on and dives off the crane and the way his score is like amping up in that moment i literally get chills and want to cry every time i watch that scene because it's so tragic and his score is like the perfect cherry on top of that scene yeah exactly yeah and i mean danny elfman has like made all these other iconic scores like the batman theme and he's like mount rushmore of like composers like him and john williams are yeah but this one is just like oh man like he just brought it it's so good so the other thing I wrote down is when MJ doesn't show up to the wedding and you get that moment of, of uh, J. Jonah Jameson being like, call Deborah, tell her not to open the caviar. <laughs> so funny. It's just such a good line. Um, Wasn't there, I think it was at the wedding, but there was a shot where it was like, I think it was like a shot of the altar. And he just like sticks his head into the frame. Yes. I think it is that shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Yes. Yeah. He has a lot of goaded moments in this movie. Um, my favorite J. Jonah Jameson moment of all time on film is uh, can I have an advance? <laughs> he just like starts hysterically laughing. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> Pay you for what? Standing there? <laughs> um, or something yeah. like he was like yelling into the phone. I think like the first time that we see him into this move in this movie, and he says something. He's like, "I'm like pre-diabetic or something." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he's like, oh my gosh. Oh, he, well, he's like, um, it's like, uh, what's the headline, Jenna? Uh, food poisoning scare sweep city. The food you got food poisoning? I'm a little nauseous. Yeah, like I. <laughs> Shout out to Sam Raimi's brother. Yeah, uh, he gets the great line of uh, uh, naming Doc Ock, and then JJ is like, uh, I have a great name, Doc Ock. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you want to raise God here? Like, <laughs> um, Ted. Ted. Yeah, Ted Raimi. He's uh, uh, honestly really funny. Yeah. He's, he's, in all, he's in all three, right? I believe. Yeah. Or at least, um, but no, it, really good stuff he i mean jk simmons always comes to play and he he fucking kills it in this movie there's just so many lines where uh when the trash guy like brings in the suit and he's like 
<laughs> he's just like heckling him, and it's like he just heckles everybody. He like fucking he he give a shit. Every single person. Um, Apparently, uh, uh, Stan Lee wanted to play J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, oh my god! And he like no, he like really did. Like That's he cute. kept bringing it up. Like he wanted to, and everybody. It's like, how do you tell Stan Lee, like, dude, like you're not no. an actor. You <laughs> could you imagine him just like, you know, like when he does his cameos, like it sounds like he's like speaking directly to the camera. Yeah. Like he's just kind of like, hey, what, believers, what's going on over there? And it's like he clearly is just like speaking to the camera. Like imagine like every single line delivery. That that's role. what makes him so like. I mean, that's what made him like so delightful every time he popped up in one of those movies. Is like, oh yeah, like underneath all this shit that's going on, there's just this old guy yeah. who created all this and just some sweet. guy. Yeah, just but some of course guy. he loved he loved J.K. Like I mean, how could you not? Yeah, I um, <clears throat> there were like a lot of behind the scenes one uh, scenes of like him on set of these movies and uh, him talking to Toby and um, uh, I think his best like Spider Man cameo is the one in the third movie where he uh, he tells Toby like, you know, sometimes uh, something about like making a difference. It's like it doesn't take much yeah. to make a difference, but hey, that's just me. And he like yeah. walks away, and I'm like, oh, like every time <laughs> when when um, Peter's just like so high on his own supply, like just like. Just yeah. so full of himself in that movie. Yeah, that's a great way to start that movie too. Because if the other two movies like just start in like depressing like tragedy, it's good to see him start like on a high note and yeah. kind of like just lose it a little bit as the movie goes on. Um, two two yeah. final things about this movie I want to bring up. One is I love the look of Ox uh, Doc Ock's lab with like the chunky cables. That yes. Peter has to like grab out of the wall. Like that's just an image that's burned into my brain. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, Shutting it down. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is my father's legacy. Um, and then I wanted to ask you guys, because we had that whole uh kind of tangent about, you know, Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield, um, about like, you know, which is the best Spider-Man. I wanted to ask just about like the look, like the suit. Do you think that this is the best suit? Do you have like a favorite suit? Um, I have. I mean, I have. G- go ahead, Kira, because I'm gonna go off. I'm gonna be honest. I don't remember what the fuck they look like. Because <laughs> yep. this one has like the raised webbing. Yeah, I, like, let me you, look it up has, comparison. Like, I'm gonna look, look up to comparison it. images. I have a top now, three. The Tom Holland. Look- Ernie disappeared. Oh, there he is. Okay. Oh, you're uh, back. back. Cool. back. I yeah, like I I have a top three for you. Um, I have a yeah, like Toby's like OG like uh like the raised webbing is just a, a classic. Um, Andrew's suit in Amazing Spider-Man Two is fucking awesome. Like the the wide eyes, uh, the he has he the eyes are just big enough. Uh, it's perfect. Um, Andrew's performance in Amazing Spider-Man 2 just amplifies it. Like the quips match that suit perfectly. But I, I, I have a really big soft spot for uh, the suit Tom Holland has in Far From Home. The black and red, it removes the blue, which is a bold choice considering that's like symbolic with uh, Spider-Man. But yeah, the black and blue or black and red just it, it looks kind of sick, man. I don't know. It, I, I, and I love them in all of Tom's suits. Um, the, the eye movements. I like that his eyes move and uh, they yeah. 
that's a big yeah. part of it for sure because i like, do sorry i was just say like a lot like there's all like a debate online over some stupid shit but like how big should his eyes be should they be like wide like andrews or like like more like secluded like uh toby's and they made the brilliant choice of saying both they he emotes with the mask on and that's cool like uh so i think tom actually has my favorite suit yeah i kind of like his eyes i remember when that first um happened and people were like what the fuck um i don't love his suit because i think it just looks too generic like it just looks like a generic like uh off-brand superhero um i think personally my favorite spider-man suit is uh the hoodie that toby mcguire spray paints to go wrestle yeah that's uh, me and my jam. Like, unironically, I think that's the best one. Bone saw. I got you for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so this yeah. this movie was number two at the box office for 2004. Can you guess uh, the number one movie? Oh, fuck. Um, was, there wasn't a Harry Potter movie that year, was there? Azkaban. Down at number four. Oh, okay. um, down at number four. Oh, four. Domestic. Oh, four. Oh, this is domestic. Um, Shrek two. Yes. Ding, oh ding, my ding. god. Shrek two. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I was trying to think. Classic. Because I, I immediately went to action movies, but then I was like, wait, it's probably a family movie, and then I was like, yeah, oh, back dude, then. Two thousand four is an insane sequel year. Yeah. Shrek two, Spider Man two, Born Supremacy. Uh, Meet the Fockers, Return <laughs> of the King. That's 2003, right? Uh, oh, I guess, yeah, I guess I'm looking at calendar. Um, 2004, um, that was a wild year, I remember. Like, I just, I saw so many movies in theaters that year, which I did not do in the previous years. Like, uh, uh, Incredibles came out that year, I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking Shark Tale, uh, uh, <laughs> you know. Kill Bill Volume 2. Right, Before I mean, sunset. Yeah, I uh, I definitely was in the theater to see Kill Bill two and Before Sunset. I, I I remember seeing the TV spots for uh, Kill Bill Volume two and just being at a young age like, what's that? Yeah. Uh, the the movie event of my two thousand four was uh, SpongeBob SquarePants the movie, which of we course. do have to cover at some point. Um, it's a classic. But, it, an absolute goaded cinematic masterpiece and i'm actually not kidding it's a it's a comedic riot but um god yeah 2004 is that year it really is and just speaking zillennial terms not even like cinema cinema like mm-hmm. scooby-doo cinema. 2 princess oh, diaries yeah. 2 yeah yeah wait let me go on letterbox because like there's <laughs> there's a lot of good shit um yeah 2004 like i feel like that's a prime zillennial like staple like memory that that in 2009 i feel like are the most like i feel like for a solid few weeks we were like only covering 2009 movies yeah 2000 2007 has a lot of stinkers i was about to for, say every like three years oh four or maybe it was 2006 that we were covering for, a lot for of... 2007 is like this legendary like great movie year but it's also like <laughs> down ballot, just like a lot of, well, <laughs> a lot of questionable May, shit. 
May 07 was the month of uh, threequels. It was Pirates 3, Shrek 3, and Spider-Man 3, wow. all in May 2007. Holy shit. Um, if I may, I want to read off every Zillennial title from 2004. Uh, <laughs> Pixel Perfect, The Lion King 1 and a Half. Oh, good. 51st Dates, Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, Home on the Motherfucking Range, <laughs> Ella Enchanted, 13 Going on 30, Mean Girls, Shrek 2, Garfield, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Napoleon Dynamite, Around the World in 80 Days, Dodgeball, White Chicks, Spider-Man 2, A Cinderella Story, I'm Sorry, I, Robot is Lineal Cinema, uh, yeah. Stuck in the Suburbs, Thunderbirds, <laughs> Princess Diaries. Series of Unfortunate Events. You oh, yeah. know the movie. Um, Alien versus Predator, uh, Polar Express, uh, National Treasure, uh, Christmas with the motherfucking cranks. Did you um, say? Uh, did you say uh, Day After Tomorrow? No, but that is millennial, isn't it? Um, I had that on my PSP. Um, I <laughs> used to love that movie. Uh, and Fat Albert. How could we forget about Fat Albert? Um, how could we forget about Fat Albert? Um. I kind of want to watch Christmas the Cranks this year. Uh, oh, God. Honestly, I remember, like, my mom, like, me and my mom going to see that movie, and uh, my mom was dating this guy at the time, and I'm pretty sure it's the only time I ever met this guy. Like, I think he wanted to, like, meet me, and so he's like, what does he like? And my mom was like, movies. She's like, he's like, okay, let's go see a movie. We'd go see Christmas the Cranks with this random guy. And then I just remember it ending, and he was like, that's the funniest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and I don't know if he was just trying to, like, make conversation with me, or, like, he actually thought that Christmas with the Cranks was the funniest movie he had, he's ever seen. But I like to believe that out there somewhere in the world, there's a guy that my mom once dated that believes that that's the funniest movie of all time. That's great. And I was there to <laughs> experience it with him. Um, yeah, 04. 04, baby. That's a, that's a year. Yeah. Well, we did it. Pizza time. Pizza time. <laughs> pizza time. <laughs> we did not deliver it in under 29 minutes, though, so we're all fired. <laughs> yeah, we did not meet uh, Joe's 29-minute guarantee. And a promise is a... We delivered the pizza in approximately two hours. Yeah, yeah. We're not paying for those. Nobody's yeah, paying. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fucking Zoe Deschanel's sister turning him away, I think. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Miss Bones herself. Miss um, Bones. <laughs> um, Ernie, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. It's always a so pleasure. Happy. Definitely, you're always welcome here. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I got to do my my freeze frame ending. <laughs> set to ra- uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. Oh, I've always <laughs> been meant to. Let's um let's fucking end this episode with a, a what is a dashboard confidential or something vindicated, absolute uh, oh, banger of a song. Uh, I got this, maybe a downgrade from Nickelback Hero. Yeah, all goaded, all goaded. Damn, songs. I forgot about that song and it's it slaps. That was on like a LimeWire CD yeah. that like my mom made for like my brother's birthday party or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I uh, after rewatching this the next day, uh, driving to work, I was listening to Vindicated in my car, and I was like, "This goes hard." I'm just like, <laughs> really, just uh, you know, succumbing to capitalism while I'm struggling. Uh, but 
yeah. So Ernie, where can everyone uh, find you? Uh, well, I'm on Twitter at Calderonist. Uh, if you want to follow my uh, House of Gucci Hive tweets, which will soon be uh, probably West Side Story Hive, um, just based on my my Spielberg uh, devotion that I got to ride hard on. Um, and we bought a mic, uh, the podcast I host with uh, my friends Drew and Hunter. Uh, going strong with our Robin Williams career arc series that we've had to like kind of stop and start a little bit because we want to talk about some of these these big ticket items uh, now as we get into the end of of 2021. Um, but we just um, we just got back into it and we're um, we're going to do Hook this upcoming week. So mm. you can look nice. out for that. Um, a that Steven movie. Spielberg joint. So kind of yeah. riding the the Steve Hive over here. Yeah, I uh, I second that. Uh, we bought a mic is always great. Uh, not only do I love these boys, but uh, the pod, the the content that they create is uh, is great. And I and I would listen even if I wasn't good friends with these boys. Yeah, so agree, uh, absolutely. Kira uh, helped us uh, start our our series with Popeye. Um, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, and then Adam is coming on for the tail end with uh, Night at the Museum. So. Right. I was because I remember I gave you three. I was like nightmare or uh, nightmare at the museum robots or uh, old dogs. And I can't remember which one I chose. Fucking uh, old dogs. Why didn't we go on together and cover old I, dogs? I, I know. I I mean, I'm not against still doing it. Um, but it could be on this show. Yeah, maybe we'll do a crossover. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so sweet. Life right. we'll, talk, we'll talk. We'll yeah. talk. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, uh, you guys can follow me when I'm not talking old dogs on Wabam. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam underscore not Sandler. Uh, also, letterbox at Adam not Sandler. Uh, the Aggressively K podcast is still uh, going strong. And uh, I'm going to beat the shit out of Joey later tonight. So that's cool. And um, yeah, that's everywhere you can find me. You can follow me on Twitter at Garlic Emoji. You can follow us on Twitter at Zillennial Canon. Us on Instagram at The Zillennial Canon. Uh, leave us some reviews. Give us a rating on Apple. Um, send us some voicemails. Harass us on Twitter. Anything you want to do. There are great Spider-Man memes right now. Literally, just send them to us. Like, And also, another thing, too, is... It made me so happy to see when people were like posting their Spotify wrapped and we were in them. So definitely send yes. it to us if we're in it. Um, like that was like so nice to see. Can I just say, um, and yeah. shout out to if any of you are listening, but uh, three Tinder people uh, sent me their Spotify wraps with Selenium Cannon in the, uh, in there. Uh, so I, so to all the Tinder girls who we did not uh, hit it off, but you continue to listen to the podcast. Thank you. Believe That's it or so not, so heartwarming. <laughs> there is hope not, in this Adam, world. Adam is only on dating apps to promote our podcast. So thank Honestly, you. <laughs> a lot of girls are like, "Give me your podcast so I can hear your voice." I'm like, "Oh, your voice!" Like, and and then they they like, unfollow they you. Talking. They follow yeah, me. They, they follow you. <laughs> it's a very phantom thread dynamic, almost. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah. you can join us next week where um, we go to the. Kind of amazing Spider-Man uh, directed. Uh, okay, by Spider-Man. The uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it holds up on a rewatch. Uh, and yeah, we'll be there next week. All right, bye. Thank you all. Happy Spider Monday. Hashtag Happy Spider Monday. Spider-Man.